Welcome to another installment of the Final Scoop Podcast. My name is Robert Chinesky, the Supplement Engineer. Joining me is my international band of brothers, plus a special guest this week, and Aaron West, owner and founder of Performax Labs. Aaron, thank you for joining us, my sir. Uh, Robbie, Lucas, it's always great to see your faces. And then Shane, you know, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna give Shane a pass this week because Robbie and I were the difficult problem children this week that had to slant the uh, podcast to Sunday, but. For the listeners tuning in, thank you for tuning in, joining us, post up any comments, questions, queries, quips, smart like remarks you might have for us. Uh, if you like what we're doing here, make sure to like, comment, subscribe. And uh, since we have a special guest today, any comments you may have in particular for Aaron about the history, the founding of Performax, maybe what's coming on or anything like that, you know, what are his thoughts on the current state of the industry, uh, post up anything and everything and we'll get to them. And last but not least, if you're watching on YouTube and it seems like your question's not getting in, I promise you we're not ignoring you. Um, hop on over to Twitch because sometimes YouTube gets a little stupid with the way it's uh, bringing up its uh, comment feed or whatever you want to call it. So hop on over to Twitch and you can follow us there on the Supplement Engineer channel. So, Aaron, it's been a while since we've had you on the show, man. First time on the final scoop is you and I have talked several times, you know, offline and had you on the Supplement Engineer podcast before. So uh, what's going on? Uh, a lot. We have a, a lot kind of upcoming that we really haven't released any information on. Um, obviously, we just kind of you know, showed you guys. So um, yeah, without giving without giving away really anything, we just have a kind of a <laughs> kind of a lot in the in the back burner. And I think uh, everyone will be really happy once we're we're able to kind of like put it out there and, and let the world see what we've been working on. But I mean, Performax, we've been quiet for a long time, um, probably like the good last year. Yeah, at least the last twelve months, we haven't really done much other than just you know continue to. Uh, to uh, tick over. So um, yeah, we've just been working a, a ton in the background, kind of getting mm-hmm. ready for something really big. So like I said, I really can't, I really can't give out a whole lot. I wish I could right now, but you know, probably in the next few weeks, we'll be able to start releasing information and letting people know what we've been doing. Okay. Yeah. I was going to ask questions. So I don't want you to give away any details or anything. I was going to say, do you have a, a target date or not? And I don't, you don't have to be firm on it. Cause if you know, you say August 1st and then, you know, there's a delay with, whatever happens, whether it's shipping, manufacturing, whatever, and, you know, it comes out August 2nd, so people are going to say, well, Performax can't handle this, or it's another supplement company that can't meet their deadline. So, you know, is yeah, there that, a, that, like a that's, rough that's kind of thing? A, that's been a, such a tough learning curve. I don't know, Robert, if you if you've had that too, but like, yeah, the idea of putting, you know, putting, putting things out there and telling people this is when it's going to happen and it never happens, it's been like a tremendous learning curve for us. So, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna sit tight. We're gonna stay quiet until we know exactly, you know, the date exactly that we can, you know, kind of let info out. So um, it's been tough because I wanna I wanna tell everybody what we've been doing and what we're working on and kind of what's coming. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But like you said, it's it's really a uh, it slapped us slapped us in the face before when we've let the cat out of the bag too early. So um, I would say though that we should be able to start to get some information out, start to let people know what's coming. Uh, early August, so that's a pretty big range. But somewhere in the beginning of August, we'll start to put some info out. So, no, I I, I, agree. I agree with what Aaron said that uh, you know that um, telling people the exact date or something like that it just doesn't work anymore. Especially with the way the state of the supplement industry right now, with all the delays and ingredients and whatnot, it's such a fucking bitch right now. So, I, I agree. You know, I mean. Whenever it comes, it comes in just the ballpark, and that's enough. I think the fact that, uh, you know, Performix is coming up with, uh, I'm actually excited about it because it's one of the very, very few brands that I actually like. 
And, uh, you know, I, based on what I see and what I know, I'm pretty sure it's going to be exciting. So I'm looking forward to it. But um, at the end of the day, you know, I, I think that's the right way to approach it. Yeah. And like I said, we've, we've just, <laughs> we've had such bad experiences, uh, you know, giving out exact dates. And then we look bad, like we did something wrong. And a lot of the times it's actually out of our control. Um, and we had every intent, you know, to, to kind of hit those dates. So it's, yeah, it's one of those things where given where the industry is now, given how hard sourcing is and materials and everything you just said, um, we do want to kind of sit tight until we know that we can nail a perfect date. And uh, when we get there, then that's when, you know, we'll let the, let the cat out of the bag, so to speak. Perfect. Brooke. Brooke is a, a longtime loyal listener, Aaron, so she, you're going to see her popping up in the feed a lot. So shout out to Lucas for the, the shady-looking Polish parcel, that mushroom coffee. You are all super swell people. Thank you for uh, tuning in, Brooke. I'm glad you uh, got Lucas's uh, shroom-laden coffee. Glad everything uh, came fast and furious, and I, uh, I'm i glad that you enjoy your parcel. So, yeah. Yeah, man. Jesus. Do you have a favorite flavor yet, Brooke? Because there's 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 three flavors and then like the original flavor. So do you have a, a preferred one thus far? Is what I'm curious about. I believe I believe I sent her only like one or two uh, flavors. I don't I don't think I sent her at all. But but yeah, she she got some extras there as well, so she can try some goodies. Yeah. Um, Aaron, before we get too far into the weeds with the comments of people, I have a particular question for you because I've been getting a lot of questions on this either through emails or we've discussed it on the final scoop last week. Sandy and I again had a, a question about it and Gerhard at Fitness Informant had a, and I had a question about it. And I know Lucas is intrigued by it, but um, Ecdysterone and it's in Mass Max with mm -hmm. the, you got the Raponticum carthamoides extract. So it's got Ecdysterone plus a bunch of the other analogs in there as well. Mm -hmm. um, what are your thoughts on it? Do you think um, cause we're, you know, uh, Lucas, you, you brought up the combo of laxosterone, uh, uh laxosterone and turcosterone. Yeah. And so, but in my mind, that seems like it's, uh, it's redundant to stack. Like if you're going to have something, do a, do kind of like a full spectrum extract like you're doing, Aaron. Whereas if you're just going to substitute with those two same, uh, alkaloids, because turcosterone is an analog of ecdysterone. So it would be akin to something like supplementing with leucine and hmb or leucine and hyca to where it's we we know from the research side like hmb in the presence of leucine is not really going to do a whole hell of a lot so i'm wondering if it's the same thing here is it an additive effect is it that so i, I don't want to dominate the conversation i'm, I'm curious to see what, what you guys think as far as is there a synergist or complementary benefit to stacking those two or is it you know is it just more window dressing on there um what i will say is that you know, Rapontum carthamoids and ecdysterone have quite a bit of research, uh, whereas something like laxogen actually doesn't have a whole lot of research. Um, mm -hmm. And so that's where I've always been more comfortable working with like ecdysterone and, and some of those uh, other, uh, you know, basically plant steroids for lack of a better term than something like laxogenin, which, like I said, there's just not a whole lot of research on it. I think the Russians were studying it like you know, all the way back into like the 50s, 60s, stuff like that. So turcosterone, from my understanding, is supposed to be the most anabolic. It's supposed to be the most powerful compound of, of that group, but it's super, super hard to source. We were in contact with the, I think it's ICPS, the International Chemistry of 
or International Inst or Institute of Plant Chemistry in Uzbekistan, trying to get it directly from them. And we weren't able to source it at a uh, at a uh, a reasonable price that would make sense putting in their product. Now, I guess there's products on the market that are using turkesterone, but again, it what we found in our research is that it very very much depends where you're getting this material from, where it's grown. For example, you can get you know ectosterone from spinach, and all the research shows that if it comes from spinach, it has very little anabolic effect. However, if it comes from uh, repontum carthamoids, it has a much, much greater effect. And there's a specific paper that we based uh, MassMax around, which uh, basically just showed that the total, like kind of what you talked about, the total wide spectrum extract with all the, the ectosteroids, uh, you know, in there have a much, much greater overall anabolic effect than isolating directly for one. And we see that all the time. For example, you know, epicatechin has some good research, but mm -hmm. its absorption is going to be drastically improved if it's co-administered with main tea extract. And there's just other polyphenols, other things in there that are going to aid in its in its absorption. So um, that would probably be my reasoning to why we go with the full spectrum. There's likely other compounds in there that are aiding in the absorption, the permeability of ectosterone that allow it to be more anabolic than if you were to take it by itself. Um, but yeah, for laxogenin, we haven't, I don't think Performax will ever put out a laxogenin product. Nothing against nothing against the ingredient. Seems to be a great ingredient. A lot of people like it. A lot of people want to want to take it. But for us, there's probably just not enough actual research on the on the ingredient to justify putting in the product for us personally. Yeah. yeah. Lucas, where did you come across the side effect? Can you re can you repeat because I had an echo or something? Yeah. Um. With the uh in our in our chat for the listeners, we have like a little group thread between us, and you were talking about turkesterone, ectosterone, and laxogenin. I guess is there uh some other companies that are using that trifecta right at the moment? Is it something like you just came across in your own kind of um wizardry? Like what's what's going on with that? I guess no, why those three in particular. When I started, you know, experimenting myself, I started with one compound mm -hmm. and I was using it just slow, solely just to see my results just with this particular compound, just like I do with every single ingredient, just like I wrote you guys about the GABA and other compounds. Yeah. So first I added as the serone as my, as my base, I run it for like three months. I've noticed a good improvement in my uh, physique. Not only in like strength uh, increasement, but also like you know uh, body fat and uh, body composition mm -hmm. uh, improvements. After that, I decided to add uh, laxosterone, which was like, which is like uh, I think a better version of laxogenin. I ran it for also another three months solely. I uh, decided to skip the laxosterone uh, in in the time so just to see if this, if the laxogenin will you know, have the, the good effect. Mm -hmm. And I, to be honest, I was, I was really pleased with the effects, especially when I added extra meal that was higher in protein. I've noticed, you know, uh, increase in my gains as well. And when I combined these two compounds, the, <laughs> you know, the, the, the improvements were ridiculous, to be honest. Right now I'm in my lowest way since since I, I believe since I was since I started lifting I'm maybe six point six kilograms I'm just like in my leanest I am the <laughs> my strength is up so 
so much. I'm I'm the hardest, you know. So yeah, man, the the results just say by itself. And now I'm I add the turkosterone to the, to this combo. So uh, all is going well, man. I, I'm just pleased with the results, and I'm just running the show. So yeah, we shall see how how's it, how's it going to turn out. But like I said, with every compound, I think that uh, you don't you you don't you can start with like with three of them but at the same time what i would do is to just like slowly just like with for example also nootropics start with one compound see how your body reacts to it and then maybe add to it another compound just to see if if there if the combo will be effective or not what dosage are you taking of each of those ingredients mm, of turcosterone i'm taking 250 milligrams twice per day Laxosterone, I'm taking three, th three times per day with every meal, so it's like uh, 100 milligrams. Mm -hmm. And azosterone is, three, is 300 milligrams three times per day. Perfect. Awesome. John, hey guys, late today, but glad to catch you. We're glad we, we played a little tricky on everybody and, and switched it from Saturday to Sunday. So I'm glad we got anybody tuning in, just disrupting people. Matt Epton, love Alpha and Mass Max. Running those for eight weeks and wrapping it up with Hard Target for 30 days. Thank you, Robbie and Aaron, for producing solid, performance-driven products. There you go. That's awesome. Do you have a personal favorite product in your lineup, Aaron? I'm always curious about this with uh, brand owners because you ask them, what supplements do you take? Well, they, and they'll usually say, I take all my own stuff, and maybe sometimes I'll take a few other brands, like if their particular brand isn't offering a certain product. So what, like, what is your – do you have like one – product that is just kind of like your baby that you always love no matter what i think it probably is mass max just because there's a lot of research that went into it it's you know it's a, it's a much much different style product um than i think what's on the market and uh yeah we we just put a ton of time and research into uh into that product like for example you know potentially nectisterone I believe it's considered a BCS class three compound, which basically means that it has high solubility and low permittability. And so, you know, looking into things like that, we were able to add sodium caparate, you know, which increases permeability, to help potentiate that ingredient. We use methyl oleate and methyl palmitate in a cyclodextrin complex, which um, has shown in combination to be both anabolic and androgenic. They're basically fatty acid esters that naturally occur in uh, drones milk for bees and they're able to do some rodent studies on it and showed that it had both an anabolic effect and then when you added in i believe the methyl palmitate to the methyl oleate also had an androgenic effect two compounds that i don't know of any company that's using at all um you know our actualized uh, extract we put a ton of time and effort into uh sourcing and um you know it increases your ghrelin release increases hunger it like it has a huge effect on me. It it allows me to to eat a lot more calories and be be uh, very content, not feel bloated, not feel like run down, or not run down, but kind of bogged down, I should say. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's the one product where there is just so much kind of new ingredients that we we added in there that uh, and you got to think, Massmax came out. I don't know three or four years ago. And so I feel like we're a little ahead of, ahead of the curve on that one. And it's just a fun product to do. Like pre-workouts are awesome, but like pre-workouts, you know, it's just at this point they get kind of cookie cutter, you know, and same with fat, you know, a fat burner, you're, you're kind of 
you're kind of pocketed into a list of X amount of ingredients that, you know, are really going to work. Uh, whereas mass max, it seemed kind of like the world opened up to like, all right, let's, let's see what we can do here. What compounds are we going to really research? Cause it could have gone a hundred different directions. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's what made mass max probably the most exciting for me. I mean, you know, same thing with all other products, EAAs, you know, if you're pretty pocketed, it's going to have to have EAAs in it. Uh, so I think, you know, mass max was probably the most fun product to, to put together the fun, the most, you know, one that required the most research and kind of most innovation. So I'd say probably mass max is probably my favorite product in the lineup. Awesome. Brooke, Performax Pre is one of my faves. Once I got through the 10,000 layers of duct tape, my younger sibling was over and tried one of those protein bars. U.S. needs more of those. That's for, uh, and we, uh, we tried both of the peanut spreads so far, Lucas. Mm-hmm. Dynamite. And they're, they're, they're halfling approved. She ate, you know, went through like seven spoonfuls of each when we let her go through them. Yeah, I uh, checked with, with some customs officers about, you know, uh, the bottles. And I've got the green light. So uh, next parcels are on the way man so more polish no, vodka headed my way yes yeah yeah, yeah. yeah but uh, speaking of uh alpha max and mass max i believe my first interaction as far as like at the sterile was was due to this product so yeah man shout out to you for uh for putting it out there and honestly yeah. i'm i'm personally uh, a big 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 fan of, of products like this you know the the pre-workout stimulants are always fun you know to uh, to, to do and to just to try but when you got the, the products like this that are like more complex and like involve more chemistry and so on that that's what gears gears my gears <laughs> yeah yeah same here it's just it's just a way more interesting experience and like yeah don't get me wrong i think all of our other products are great but it's just having that ability to kind of kind of be able to use anything and just go out there and and and, and really kind of explore Whereas, like I said, I think a lot of the other, a lot of other categories, you end up kind of pocketed into a, into certain ingredients that consumers come to expect. You know, like it has to have citrulline, or you know, your fat burner has to have paradoxin, and it's just like you get real pocketed. Where it's like MassMax, most people turn that label around and go, okay, what the hell is any of this? None of this makes any sense. You know, which I think is the cool, the coolest part about it, because then you get the whole like hold my beer, let me explain, uh, <laughs> kind of, a, kind of, a you know, feeling. So yeah, no, I, I appreciate that, Lucas. I, I guarantee you, after this, Lucas is going to have a, uh, a drones milk jug of like, he's going to have a drug of Jones milk so he can get that, the methyl olitate and methyl palmitate in there. Cause he's, he's always trying and experimenting on himself for some way or other. Yeah. Uh, Shridhar, using my final scoop, I see what you did there, of Hypermax Extreme Orange Mango. It's a great daily driver pre-workout. Yeah. It's funny, too. I only like like a scoop and a half of Hypermax. I don't like a full two scoops. I think two scoops is, for me personally, a little bit too strong, but it seems like that's where most people kind of fall. Most people fall with a full two servings. I mean, what do you guys think? You guys, yeah, I'm assuming most of you guys have tried a Hyper, right? I'm a scoop and a half, usually like a full scoop and a half. That's always been my, you know, sweet spot. Even like going back over the various iterations of it over the years, that's that's always like the 300 milligrams plus all of the other fun stuff that's in there. That's kind of right where, right in my sweet spot. I personally always land with like two scoops. 
because you know that's my sweet spot when it comes to like stems. Ah, uh, so yeah, man. two scoops, perfect. I'm on for me. If I said anything less than two scoops, I'll probably get crucified by people. But so I'm gonna say two scoops also. I mean, it's a, it's it's a very good pre-workout, and I agree. Um, it's a good it's a good daily driver because it makes you feel. I, I, I subdivide uh, pre-workouts. I actually did uh, an interview, a podcast just about an hour ago with Review Brothers. And um, one of the questions was regarding pre-workouts, uh, you know, and I always say that um, the category is very, very subdivided. Very, very subdivided. You cannot, you cannot judge just one pre-workout as the greatest or the best or whatever because we all have different needs and you know like aaron said you know for me personally i like that i always emphasize whenever you say something about pre-workout what do you use make sure to emphasize personally or for me because you cannot generalize and say that you know i everybody should be taking one scoop of this pre-workout or three scoops of that pre-workout it's just yeah. uh, i think irresponsible and wrong and what works for you might not work for me uh, that's the reason why there are so many, I think, categories with pre-workouts. And uh, I think the market, uh, you, you can say when it comes to protein or something like that, that it's either good or bad. But when it comes to a pre-workout, there are definitely a lot of different markets and different directions. Uh, saying that, Hypermax definitely falls into one of my all-time favorite pre-workouts and generally what I recommend when... A, not talking about a pawn uh, is because I think that it's very well balanced. I think that that's the key uh, um, when it comes to a pre-workout. If you want something that will give you a certain level of pump, a certain level of uh, focus, certain level of energy, then I think that this one is just hits the spot. And between one and two scoops, you can definitely go in any direction whether it's a beginner or somebody intermediate or even somebody who is really a steam junkie in a way because it will it will hit just right so i think the balance is is definitely there so yeah um i i like how you call the drive uh, daily driver because this is something that can be used on a regular basis yeah yeah i mean and i think going back to what you're talking about before you know regarding uh pre-workouts and what is the best it, you were talking about like a very tangible feeling, right? And like, you can't tell me what I want to feel. You can just tell me what you want to feel. And I think that's, that's, where, that's where it gets like so convoluted where they're like, oh, well, you know, this pre-workout's the best. Like, but maybe I don't want a shit ton of energy or maybe I do, you know what I mean? And, and that might change on a day-to-day -day basis. So yeah, it's super difficult, I think, to say any pre-workout's the best or, you know, better than the other one because you're talking about a real tangible effect that, that is kind of like a daily decision on what you need that day. You know what I mean? Like it could be, it could be an awesome pre-workout that gives you amazing energy, but if you're hung over, let's say, it'll make you feel like shit. Right. Uh, on the other hand, you know, you might, you might be in like this, like perfectly, like, you know, have the best day, hit all your meals, great energy. And, uh, you might not need that much. So there's, there's just, there's just so many different scenarios and it's just, you know, I think when you're talking about the stim side of it, it's hard to say that one is the best or better than another because it's just what what do you need that day to kind of get through a good workout, you know? Absolutely, oh. that, and that's the reason why it drives me absolutely nuts when brand owners come out or you know somebody behind a brand comes out and says like, well, this is the best pre-workout on the market. 
you can't really say that you know because at the end of the day just like we have different taste buds even with me somebody asked me recently um what uh, protein flavor by Apollon you recommend i don't i can't i don't think i can i i have the right to recommend anything because maybe i like chocolate and you like vanilla you know we all have different tastes you have to try it for yourself and you know that better and when it comes to pre-workout yeah i mean I, I know that I use various pre-workouts. Sometimes I don't use any pre-workouts. Sometimes I just don't need them. You know, I don't feel like there is a need for them. In fact, the last couple of days I've been working out on no, uh, no pre-workouts, just didn't feel like using them. So I think, yeah, it's very, very tangible. And, you know, if it's going to come down to what's the best, the most popular or whatever, I mean, C4 is going to kick everybody's ass because when it comes to popularity and sales, I'm pretty sure that they dominate, but at the end of the day, stick to what you do best and stick to your own market and let the consumer judge and everybody will pick whatever they want. That's it. Yeah. John, got to go non-stem for a bit and try and reset. Just receive bare knuckle and mojito for afterwards. That's that's a good mix to go there. And how how is your caffeine intake getting, John? Is what I'm curious. Before you decided to tap the brakes and uh, say we're, we're going a little too much here. That's what I'm curious about. What doesn't mean reset? <laughs> yeah, Luke, Lucas doesn't reset. Lucas goes 500 milligram. That's his reset. That's my reset for that. Yeah. Wheats. P.S. I love them. We're going to assume that you're saying you love Performax. If there was a first half of the comment, it didn't get through wheats. So uh, we're just going to assume you're espousing your love for all things Aaron West and Performax. All right, Aaron, you mentioned that um, pre-workouts, amino acid supplements, you're kind of slotted into in one certain direction. Like you have to have certain things in there, whereas maybe the muscle builders give you a little bit more creativity. You get a little bit more flexibility. You can put things in there that maybe somebody else doesn't understand, like you all have done with MassMax. Do you think the nootropic category is that open still? Like I think a couple of years ago, it definitely was. Nowadays, I almost think like if some people don't see like three or 400 micrograms of huprazine or alpha GPC in there, they're going to think it's underdosed or it's not effective or something like that. Whereas I still think there's, you know, a whole avenue of nootropic supplements that the average individual doesn't understand. And you can get some of those effects that you maybe would get with huprazine and, and alpha GPC, but through some other ingredients. Um, but yeah, what are your thoughts? Is it still as, as free and flexible or not? I, I definitely think it is, but then you, it comes down to, you know, what are, what are companies kind of putting out and that, and I think, you know, it's hard to explain. It's not hard to explain. It's hard to put into words. I think what's happened is with this demand for fully open and transparent labels has made it very easy to formulate product. And so I think what you're seeing now is a lot of formulators that are are throwing in a lot of the same ingredients because they see other products doing it. And I think that's when you start to go into that like cookie cutter direction. And so I think now, you know, you see people go, oh, well, that's a great nootropic. Let me look at what ingredients they're using and then starts using those ingredients. And then that kind of like trickles down and you get to a point where, like you said, everyone's using cooperzine. Everyone has to have some form of choline, you know, blah, 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 blah and everything starts to generally look the same and i think that is i think that is one kind of you know i'll probably get some flack for this but i think that's one benefit to when there was prop lens there seemed to be a lot more excitement 
there seemed to be a lot more like, holy shit, I can't wait to see what that company put out. And then that company had a lot more like an ability to, to differentiate. Did a lot of companies use it to hide, you know, underdose ingredients for sure. But there's some other companies that probably didn't, you know, and were actually doing some real innovation and they felt a little bit more protected by that. Um, you know, obviously everything Performax does is full disclosure. So I'm not like making an argument against it. I still think it's best for the consumer, but I think what happens is you end up creating an industry with a lot of me too companies. And so when you get a lot of me too companies, you end up with a lot of me too formulas and you start to see categories all kind of look the same. And so as more, more people put their foot in the nootropic category, so to speak, or throw their hat into the nootropic category, you start to see a lot of the same fucking nootropics, you know what I mean? And so I don't think so. I think there's a, there's a huge potential. I mean, nootropics in general is, is such a, uh, is still in its infancy in terms of, uh, in terms of good formulas that I think, you know, we could really go in a lot of different directions and there's tons of different ingredients to use. But what ends up happening from the consumer level, and ultimately we have to sell product, right? We're not in business to cancel product. Ultimately, from the consumer side, they see this nootropic and that nootropic and this nootropic, they all have Hooperzine. Okay, well now if, if I'm gonna have a good nootropic, it has to have Hooperzine. So then you get consumers kind of like what you're saying, demanding that they have this ingredient only because they've seen it in five other products, only because four of those people ripped off the first guy, and now you have all the same shit, you know? And so I think hopefully, you know, more companies will kind of, you know, differentiate themselves and try and push the push the boundaries a little bit. And it will be difficult because you have to educate the consumer because they're not going to know. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's a big problem with selling mass max in stores. We don't really have a lot of retailers that pump a lot of mass max because the guy behind the counter can't really explain it very well. You know, he hasn't seen half those ingredients before. And so, um, yeah, I, I think hopefully companies, you know, continue to try and innovate and bring new ingredients to the market and maybe not even new ingredients, just innovative combinations uh, and not fall into the trap of using the same ingredients that the number one nootropic is using because you want to get that nod that you have Hooperzine or CDP choline or whatever else is commonplace in nootropics, you know? Well, then how do you balance that as far as, because as, as a brand owner formulator yourself, you know what some of the consumers are expecting in your products. At the same time, you pride yourself on being innovative with your formulas, finding common ingredients that aren't necessarily there, but you still at the same time want to sell a lot of units and be ultimately be a successful business owner. So where is that? Where do you draw the line or how do you just you know do that balancing act? Huh. I don't know. I don't know that there's like a, like one good answer for that. I guess it's, it's, you know, trying to use ingredients that, you know, are differentiated, but I guess maybe pairing them with ingredients that, that people, you know, kind of understand. So yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know exactly how to, to answer that, that question per se. Um, I don't know. Can you, can you, can you ask, ask it in a different way? Maybe I'm just not getting it. Hmm. Uh, okay. So let's say you're, you're coming out with a, a new tropic or a pre-workout. Mm. You know, the consumer is expecting to see six grams of citrulline because for whatever reason, we know that three grams is effective. We know that four grams is effective, but for some reason or other six grams is that seems to be like 
the threshold and then you get some other like some jackwad shooting their mouth off saying six if it's four grams it's underdosed no numb nuts it's you know it's between three and ten grams is the effective dosing of citrulline so when you're putting that together product you know you can get by with three grams of citrulline at the same time you know from like an from an evidence or a science-based point of view you know that the three grams is going to work but you're going to launch your you know you're going to launch a new pre-workout you know we'll call it perform x pump x is what, what, what this imaginary product we're creating here yeah when you go to launch it you know three grams works and maybe you want to put in you know a gram and a half of nitrosagene or you know 600 milligrams of vaso six or the the new cardia six that that matt's coming out with or any of these other ingredients are you know 500 milligrams of vaso drive to where you'll get these complementary and additive effects but you're still going to get shouted out at for saying so do you just give in and put the six grams in there even though it's going to be way more expensive or uh, yeah yeah i think <laughs> i kind of think you do i kind of think that to some degree you kind of like you know at the end of the day you know as a company we can understand the science and everything but if we're not servicing what the consumer wants then we're not being a good company so if the consumers are constantly saying hey we need six grams and we're trying to basically go against that big hurdle that no you know, there's tons of research on three grams. You really don't necessarily need six. Plus, when you add other compounds that work, you know, through the same, uh, you know, nitric oxide synthase arginine pathway, that now th now having more than three grams is probably irrelevant. You know, you can only maximize maximize a certain pathway so much. Um, but that's like going up against, you know, a million people that are just like, no, screw you, I want six. So yeah. I do. I it, it's funny because. You know, we, we, we want to be, you know, very scientific and very, uh, you know, um, going off what the literature says. At the end of the day, we have to be able to sell the product. We have to, we have to appease the consumer. So I think you do, to some degree, have to uh, kind of do what is expected, um, while at the same time, hopefully, you know, adding innovation and, and, uh, and uh, doing things different, maybe in, in, a, in a different way. Yeah, through other ingredients, uh, through other pathways, but if it's if it's such commonplace, it is hard to get a. It's hard to it's hard not to, to uh, to appease them because you're just going to get called out. You're going to say, "Oh, that's underdose. I'm not going to buy that." And if they're not buying it, then we can't put out more products. So it is it's a create it is a kind of crazy balancing act because of course I have my own thoughts on it, but you know if it's not selling, then my thoughts don't mean anything. So I think you do have to appease the consumer while at the same time kind of hopefully doing it in a way that you don't feel just like a complete sellout or like you're just doing this just for what the consumer wants. You're actually doing it because it works. And I think that's where it's like, you know, six grams of citrulline. Could you get by with three? Absolutely. There's tons of research of three. But does it hurt to have six? And if six makes, you know, the consumer happy, you know, no harm, no foul. That's kind of how I see it. Well, uh, um, I, I think that um, three grams and six grams, there is a difference because number one, the cost, the cost will definitely be significantly different. So that's, uh, that's not entirely true. But uh, yes, the consumer expects six. And at the end of the day, besides the fact that we're putting out formulas, we also running a business, a business of selling product. 
Unfortunately, it's very, very hard to go against the consumer when he's calling you out that you're underdosing a product, especially if you put out a product that has six grams and all of a sudden you're putting four grams or three grams. Is it effective? 100% yes. Uh, but unfortunately, you will be called out. You won't. You will not win that battle. Then you have a bunch of douchebag competitors who are going to be pointing out to the fact that you know that you're underdosing a product now. It, it, it's inevitable. It will happen. It will happen. In terms of innovations, there is tons of innovations. There is uh, tons of new trademark uh, ingredients that are popping out left and right. Are they effective? 99% of them not. They're not. they fancy. they cool. My manufacturer asked me a couple of days ago on a certain combination that I kind of do pretty often. He goes to me, why don't you trademark it? I'm like... And call it what? A palm factor X or some shit like that? I mean, it makes no sense. And the consumer, yes, we have to educate the consumer on innovations. We have to educate consumer on our products. But the consumer is also educated. We all have our own consumers that kind of like a, almost like a cult following. There are certain things that they expect from us and they know us and they know what we do. And um, they will... They will expect that we deliver each and every time we release a new product. And the consumer is not that stupid. You know, I've seen products where they have uh, trademark ingredients where it's a combination of two or three different ingredients. And they actually list it. They actually list it. And then you see a total milligram per serving. And you can clearly see it's severely underdosed. But it has a little R or a little TUM or whatever at the end. And all of a sudden, it's called, you know, something fancy and innovative. Well, it's not. You know, I've, I think I've used Hooperzine only once. That was like five or six years ago. Ever since then, I haven't used it personally. I think that uh, transparent labels are great because the consumer gets to see exactly, especially the consumer that is educated. You know, somebody like Lucas, he will get the transparent, you know, uh, label and he's going to be able to tell, okay, this is shit, this is good, this is shit, this is good. You know, we talked about a certain brand, what, yesterday or something? And Lucas sent immediately, pre-workout, good, fat burner, shit. You know, because he can identify. And this is our type of a consumer. Uh, you know, we're not doing proprietary blends because, yes, there are certain companies that are doing proprietary blends and they actually honest and good. Um, ASC supplements comes to mind. Jake is a great guy and uh, his pre-workout, actually one of my favorite pre-workouts on the market. And he changed my mind. We actually talked about dosages and stuff like that. He decided to hide it. But at the end of the day, if I want to really copy it, nobody's going to be able to stop me because I can figure out more or less what, I mean, I know what's in it because he lists what's in it. He just has, he doesn't list how much, but at you know, I still know what kind of ingredients he's using, and I do know what is the approximate dosage that actually will work on a consumer. So you can figure it out. The truth is we cannot hide. We can't. I mean, at this point, anyone can copy anyone. But at the same time, products like we uh, well, we produce, like Aaron produces, I, I'm, I'm honestly not freaking out or nervous or get scared by competition. And the reason for that is... Is because we actually put out products that are not cheap. Uh, 99%, I mean, it's a business for us, so obviously we want to make money. But the other brands, the other brand owners, they primarily driven by the 
profits. That's what they train. For me, it's a little bit more. It's pride. It's I like what I do. And, you know, I don't mind that if my product actually costs a little bit more than it used to cost the previous version. But they're driven by, by profits. So what they do, they might copy you. And I've seen actually certain uh, certain products that are almost like copycats. And, you know, I've seen different patterns also where you see, oh, wow, the first three or four ingredients are fully dosed. Not only are they fully dosed, there is more than you're supposed to have. And then you go to the bottom and you realize the expensive ingredients are actually underdosed. You know, so they definitely, you know, the competition is definitely very, very clever. And they try to profit and they try to maximize their profits while minimizing their expenses. I still think you can stand out by putting out top-notch products. You will always have, like, listen, BMW and Mercedes, they great cars. And they still compete against each other, yet they're profitable, yet you have diehard Mercedes fans and you have diehard BMW fans. They're almost the same. They're in the same category. It's Lamborghini and fucking Ferrari. You always will have a competition. And that's okay to have a healthy competition. You can even be respectful to your competition. That's not a problem. But uh, proprietary blends, I've talked to a brand owner that has a full disclosure label, and he actually told me that he's considering going to proprietary blends because he wants to hide his formula. What the fuck are you going to hide? Well, the only thing you can hide is how much you're using. But the thing is, if your previous uh, product had 20 grams per serving, and all of a sudden I see that you're using 12, I know exactly what you're doing. And so will your consumer. You know, we have to give consumer a little bit more credit. Yes, we need to educate them without a doubt. Yes, we need to tell them about certain things, why we're doing and how we do it and how they can benefit from it. But at the end of the day, they're not stupid. Three grams of citrulline will work beautifully. Absolutely no problem. But at the same time, if you use six before, your competitor is using six, you're almost obligated to use six. This is where the business aspect is coming into a play. Uh, it's pure business. It's And you can go and say, like, you know, talk to Robert Chinetsky or talk to this guy or talk to that guy. Ask them, and they will explain to you. They will educate you. But the consumer is going to go like, oh, look, 50 bucks for this, 50 bucks for this. This has six grams of citrulline. This has three grams of citrulline. I'm buying six. Is he wrong? I mean, Probably on a technical aspect, yes, but from a business perspective, he's right, and you just lost the sale. Even though three and six grams of citrulline definitely will have a difference. It's a very expensive ingredient. You also need to take in perspective what's in the, the entire formula, not only just one ingredient, right? right. Oh, so. yeah. Uh, even like take citrulline melee, for example, right? Yeah. We know that the ratio is two to one, and all of a sudden I see uh eight grams of citrulline melee and you go and you're impressed well nice but then you see it's not two to one it's one to one you know you, you see the differences and like okay this this brand just saved a little bit of money you know and sometimes they don't disclose that it's one and one you know so the, these little tricks are employed all the time and sometimes a transparent label can actually be not entirely transparent either of course it's why I always say, you know, take a look beyond the entire formula. Let's say, as you mentioned, like three grams of citrulline versus uh, versus three grams of citrulline. Some products may have like, let's say, okay, six grams of citrulline, but the other ingredients will be pixie dusted. Well, on the other hand, you will have a 
let's say like a product will have three grams of pure citrulline and let's let's say like three or four four ingredients that will be clinically dosed and awesome and will like you know have this synergy effect with the citrulline and will complement each other which product will be better of course the the second one so yeah you always need to like stay educated and be on top of your game so but yeah, that's why that's why I value the the Apollo so much. Yeah, I think I think uh, um, we have to give the the consumer, you know, credit because obviously the consumer, our consumers are far more educated. But I still think there's there I still think, you know, these types of podcasts and things where we're talking about this are healthy to further educate them. Because, for example, you know, going back to exactly my point earlier is if I had a pre-workout that's six grams citrulline, and that was pretty much the only pump ingredient in there. And then I had a pre-workout that had three grams citrulline and a gram and a half of nitrosigine. The gram and a half of nitrosigine and three grams citrulline will probably outperform the six grams citrulline, in my opinion, probably significantly. But from a consumer's perspective, they're going to go, oh, well, kind of like what you're saying, Lucas. Oh, well, you know, first ingredient, three versus six, I'm going to go with the six. But you're not looking at the, the, the deeper level there of how nitrosigine and citrulline, you know, work synergistically together through the same exact pathway, where that's probably going to be maximized far greater than six grams of citrulline. But the consumer is so uh, trained to to expect to see six that if they don't see the six, it's like they don't even need to go deeper than the label. They go three, okay, no, oh six, okay, I'm going to go with that one. And that's where, you know, the consumer deserves a lot of credit, you know, versus 10, 15 years ago. But I still think there's a lot of education that needs to happen um, from our perspective so that we don't get forced into cookie cutter type formulas where we can further explain this is why we did this. And you should understand this and, and uh, you know, not look at things so surface level, but just dig a little bit deeper, you know. And I think if we can get to that point that's where I think we can start to see a, a lot more differentiated formulas. It doesn't have to just be six grams citrulline, 3.2 grams beta alanine, you know, two grams of taurine and 400 milligrams caffeine. We can start to create some differentiations there, but until the consumer kind of wises up to that, you know, I think we're going to be stuck in a situation where it's a lot of pre-workouts are going to look the same. And you know what? Uh, 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 Aaron, something that you touched upon, and I actually really, really liked it. You made a very good point about your product, where you said that uh, you know in the store they're not going to be able to sell it as much because the consumer doesn't know. And uh, the problem is, is that because they don't know the ingredients or whatnot. The problem is, is that I think that another major downfall is actually the retailers. You know, they probably going to fucking hate me for this, but I don't give a fuck. Uh, you know, I mean, they're going to push the products that are the highest margins. They're going to push the products that are, you know, not necessarily what's beneficial for the consumer. And that's an obviously a problem. And you're right what you said about, you know, the podcast and, you know, people like Robert who are actually knowledgeable about it. Definitely it serves a huge purpose because... I, I can I know actually from my perspective and that and that's actually was said also about your product 
where somebody said that uh, I got a lot of obviously heat for, you know, the high STEM products that we have, some of them. I mean, not all of them are high STEM, but some of them. And your pre-workout with 400 milligram of caffeine is also no joke, uh, considering that, you know, you have area geransis and stuff like that. So it's, it's not a weak product. It's definitely above average in terms of how strong it is. It's a strong pre-workout. And I remember years ago where brands like mine and yours got criticized. And I remember people saying anything above two, 300 milligram of caffeine, vasodilation, and it's going to kill you. And it's going to, it's a heart attack and whatnot. It was nonstop. And then I remember Robert actually wrote a piece. I don't know if it was for a poem or you wrote for somebody else, but I remember I fucking posted it everywhere, you know, proving that, there is nothing wrong with 600 milligram of caffeine, 400 milligram of caffeine, or even as high as seven, 800 milligram of caffeine. We I, think, all I think there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of research that even goes. There's up a lot. Yeah. But nobody like knew. Yeah. No, nobody yeah. knew about it. I'm not saying nobody, but most people didn't know about it. They felt like they're going to die from it. I mean, these things, they have two, 300 milligram of caffeine in them. And I own a gym and I see people walking in the gym and he's buying one with 300 milligram and half an hour later, he's buying another one with another 300 milligram of yeah. it and he's hundred percent fine. So yeah, educating is definitely the way to go. And just for the record, I also actually tried combining three or four grams of citrulline with uh, 1500 of nitrosogen. Honestly, I liked it more than six grams of citrulline. That was yeah. my personal opinion. And again, it's just to convey the message to the consumer and this is, uh, you know, again, we're podcasts and, and us, and that's our responsibility. Another issue that we might have is like not to get overly technical and explain it more in layman's terms where people actually get to understand what we are talking about, you know, because sometimes the language that is used and explanation and, you know, the technical aspects can be either boring or they can, or they can be very, very confusing. But, yeah. uh, you know, in practical thing, if, if you tell somebody, well, take six grams of citrulline, now take four grams of citrulline and 1,500 of nitrosogen, go two days to the gym, use once one version and the other and the second day the second version and see what works best. And nine out of 10 will say that four grams of citrulline with 1,500 of nitrosogen will work better. And I think that the word of mouth and, you know, it's, it's almost like wildfire. It will definitely spread and people will believe because, you know, Clearly, formulas the way the, the ones that you're putting out are getting more and more popular. There is definitely market for it. You might not catch the wide market like uh, uh, Salucor or somebody like that, but that's fine. They have their own market. But if we can get one, I mean, three, four years ago, if somebody told me that, you know, Assassin's going to be as popular as it is today. I would be like, okay, that's not going to happen. You know, we have three people that are using it and that's it. You know, the same thing, Hypermax um, has 400 milligram, uh, the original formula has 400 milligram of caffeine, I believe. I remember that uh, when I did 450 with Hooligan, my manufacturer said to me, anything above 300 will never sell. You know, so and that was six years ago. So I think the market is definitely shifting, is definitely changing, and I think it's it's going in the right direction. But it's still an uphill battle for sure. Well, I think there's a couple things there too. Like going back to the to the education side of it, you know, um, let me hear myself. Um, 
like things like the caffeine in the context of working out and vasoconstriction, what we know actually is in the context of actually working out, it increases peripheral, you know, vasodilation. And so this whole thing of like, oh, that's too much caffeine, that's gonna kill my pumps, you just don't understand. And so now it's our duty to, to kind of educate. But that brings it to the next step, which was your comment on retailers, which is there's so many levels between me and my consumer. You know, there's the distributor, there's the retailer, there's the guy behind the shelf that that retailer hired to, to sell product. And that's, I think, where the message is drastically lost is I, you know, we could have this, this great uh, formula, very, very well thought out. And I could personally speak to it very, very well. But when you walk on the shelf, Hypermax is just one of 30 pre-workouts on, on the shelf. And it really just depends what that guy working in that retail shop really cares about slash what his boss is telling him to sell that makes him the most margin. And so that's, I think, why that's, that's why I think we're starting to see the emergence of uh, brand owners, not just in our industry, but just across you know all industries, kind of trying to get out there and, and you kind of be the face of the brand um, to help have that direct connection with their consumer to where they could then actually educate specifically around the product and not have to rely on someone else to, to basically give a butchered explanation of, of the product. And I think that's really, really important. And, you know, we're starting to see some really, really successful brands doing just that, where the owner is coming out, talking directly to their consumers and having that le level of education. I think that's really, really important. And uh, probably something that I need to do a whole lot more. I just, you know, I'm, I don't like the attention. I don't like to get out there too much. I kind of like to be in the, the behind the scenes, kind of making stuff happen. Um, but I could be doing a disservice to my consumers, you know? Awesome. That was a really good conversation. It was, uh, I'll just I'll float right through that. That was awesome. Uh, let's catch up on a couple of these comments real quick. Uh, John's been using Assassin and El Jefe. Uh, that's why he's jumping a bare knuckle. They're not hitting the same, taking them four days a week. Yeah, that would, uh, you're, you're definitely getting into the, uh, the tolerant zone and you're drinking a cup of coffee while the pre-work. Yeah. In that case, we're going to, uh, we're definitely going to say, let's, let's, let's cut back on the stems for a little while. Just uh, cut back on coffee and you will be good. Yeah. Here's a new, new commenter. So how would some like that sensitive, someone that sensitive to caffeine, start taking pre-workout. Uh, they've been taking, working out for six months, and I've only been using pump formulas. I don't drink coffee or energy drinks also. Um, my initial thing was, do you feel like you need caffeine? I mean, you don't have that, to start having caffeine in your pre-workout. If, if you don't need it and you can just train your ass off without caffeine, you feel naturally awake, alert, your nutrition, your sleep's great, you don't have to go down the caffeine route. But even then... You want to just slowly start titrating the dose. Take your pump formula and then just have like a small cup of coffee with it, or like half of a caffeine tab, or something like that. Um, what do you guys think? That's what that's what Robic said earlier. That you know the the pre workout is just like uh, individual preference. So based on your individual thing, if you're like if you want to drink coffee before your workout, drink coffee. If you want like an energy drink, go with that. If you want like a non-stem uh, stuff go with that so yeah man do what's right what's right for you and don't look at other people you know if someone is like like me that that likes like 
a lot of a lot of amount of of stems. Don't be don't be Lucas, you know. But it's just it's just what I prefer. But if you if you if you feel good, if you don't need any like super extra high kicking stems, just like go with the non stem. But if you want to experiment, start slowly. For example, you can buy the the caffeine tablets. You can like add to your non-stem pre-workout and you can start slowly with like 100 milligrams of caffeine and go with that. See I how agree. your body reacts. I agree with Lucas, you know, I mean, if you're stating that you're caffeine sensitive, nobody says you have to take caffeine. I mean, there is no specific rule. Uh, there are so many pre-workouts with different ingredient profiles. You have to find out which one works for you. If the pump formula works for you, great, then stick to it. If you need, uh, I mean, need, you say you're sensitive and you don't drink coffee and you don't, don't drink energy drinks, mm, you know, if you don't need anything extra, like an extra kick or a boost for your workout, then stick with pump. There's nothing wrong with it. That's the reason why they called non-stem pre-workouts. You know, you can get non-stem pre-workouts that have great pump ingredients profile. Some of them have uh, great focus ingredients uh, profile and have absolutely, you know, no stems. But if you want to try stems, you want to experiment, a small cup of coffee maybe, or like Lucas said, you know, caffeine tablet, they usually come, I think, 100, 200 milligram. You can try and take something small, but there's no specific rule. You don't have to. Just because everybody or majority of people are doing it doesn't mean you have to. You don't have to go crazy. So on how that's written, it sounds as if you feel like you might be missing out because like a lot of other people are taking pre-workouts and I don't think you're missing out at all. I think if you're using a good pump formula and you're sensitive to caffeine, you have enough energy, I would just continue doing what you're doing. But, you know, just like everyone else said, if you do feel the need, um, then yeah, I guess starting with caffeine and, you know, small amount and moving it up, but it doesn't even sound like that's what the question is or really what, what you, what you want. It sounds like, you feel as if you're missing out by not taking a pre-workout. Um, so in that case, you know, maybe like, for example, like Kypermax, you could try a half a scoop. That's hundred milligrams caffeine and you get, you know, you're taking a pre-workout now and, and uh, you're part of the club and you get to, you know, you get to start low, but yeah, I, I would say that you're not missing out. It's nothing, you know, any more special than a, your pump formula if you have good energy. And uh, if you do want to experiment, just, you know, buy, Whatever pre-workout you know you're interested in, start with you know probably around a half a scoop, a quarter scoop, and just kind of move it up from there. But yeah, it doesn't sound like just adding a cup of coffee or caffeine is what you're looking for. It sounds like you want to experiment with pre-workouts and just you know yeah. something special. Yeah, Aaron's probably right. It feels like it's either you're putting pressure on yourself or it's peer pressure or I want to <laughs> or, or, or I want to do what other kids are doing. Completely yeah. unnecessary. <laughs> You're not missing out, is the point. <laughs> spectrum to the other end of the spectrum. Is there a supplement to lower drug tolerance? I'm gonna to assume this is in relation to maybe caffeine or any other stimulant where you you, uh, you develop, you know, you habituate to it and you develop a tolerance. Um, Just take more drugs. That too. No, no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Up the dose of trend and test, just do it. Now, um, short of, just cycling your stimulant intake? No, I'm not aware of anything. I know there are certain supplements that help uh, eliminate caffeine from the body faster, but that's not going to necessarily reset your tolerance or lower your tolerance. 
short of just cycling off of it entirely or very, you know, very significantly varying your stimulant intake across the week. So, you know, take for the day that you had no sleep, you take that 400 milligram pre-workout, whereas the day you had great sleep, you either go non-stem or do like 150 milligrams of caffeine. And that helps you kind of slow down the potential tolerance effects that are going to have on it. But I mean, y'all have any other tips, suggestions, ideas? Robert, are you saying you don't believe in adrenal fatigue? Never. Nope. I believe you can be stressed and not sleeping well, but uh, I, I think a, adrenal fatigue is a big freaking farce. Yeah. There used to be supplements. There might still yeah. be supplements that were made CTD for labs. Yeah. yeah, for adrenal fatigue. So, yeah, there's yeah the way you lower your tolerance to stop taking it for a while. <laughs> yeah. And to get around those headaches, use some stuff like adaptogens or non-stem nootropics. I mean, those can help with like taking two grams of L-tyrosine, taking between 300 and 600 milligrams of rhodiola, some KSM-66 ashwagandha would help with that, neurofactor. All these other non-stimulant kind of nootropics can help take the place of caffeine. Not exactly, but it'll give you that mental boost that you're looking for. Um, but if you've been doing like 600 milligrams of caffeine a day and you go to zero, it's going to hurt no matter what you're taking. If, you, if you're like most people, uh, it's going to hurt those first couple of days. I believe that cordyceps and uh, turkey tail from mushrooms have this, this effect that they can like, you know, lower uh, the, you know, the side effects, I would say, from, from drugs. So maybe take a look at uh, in the literature uh, on, on this one, but... I don't have any any fancy other like recommendations. Yeah. Brooke, I personally have found that I can find the energy or motivation to work out if I'm in a good mood. Hence my transitioning to more nootropic based pre-workouts. Sandy will back me up. Yeah. So Sandy's definitely the uh she needs to be like good headspace, happy, feeling slightly euphoric, and then it doesn't matter. Like it could be a hundred milligram pre-workout of caffeine or it could be four hundred milligrams, but there's gotta be some nootropics or some kind of like mood enhancing stuff there. So mood and focus, and then it, it gets her in the right space. Um, and Brooke is, is much the same way. Is it, do you, Aaron, is it hell or high water for you? You're going to train or do you kind of need to be in the right mindset or have the right boost? No, I'm going to, I'm going to train no matter what, but, um, it is, it is interesting how different, a you know, a, a session can be based on, on a day. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. we have a really good day, you know, be it sales wise or formulation or whatever. And I just like, like, I feel like I'm on top of the moon. Then, uh, I still take the pre-workout probably out of habit, but it just, you know, it, it's that much more effective. Mm -hmm. And yeah. if I'm having a shitty day, generally I'm kind of not have a great workout, but I tend to try and get in there and, and make it happen regardless. Cause at the end of that session, I'm always happy that I did. Earlier, we touched on something. I wanted to get your, your input on it. You, you mentioned something that made me think of this. You said, if you're having a great night's sleep, you wake up, your nutrition's on point, your recovery's on point, you may not need that full serving of pre-workout. You can only go half scoop on it. I, I, I'm much of the same mindset where you, you titrate the dose based on your sleep levels, how much energy you want. Where and Because I'm just looking like, I know where I'm going to be. Like So I'm using, I'm kind of like dosing the pre-workout, choosing this pre-workout to bring me up to that level that I know I want to be at. Shane mentioned something last week where he says, it doesn't matter if I, uh, if I slept great or if I slept shitty, he said, I'm going to take the blow your face off pre-workout every opportunity I get to, because he says, if I'm feeling terrible, it's going to bring me up. 
if I'm, if I'm already feeling great, it's going to make me that much higher where I don't know if it actually works that way or not, but, uh, what are your thoughts on it? I think that, um, I, I, I personally, for me, it works actually more the way Aaron described. If I had a shitty day, I don't give a fuck what pre-workout I take. I mean, it's just in my mind. I just don't feel right. And, uh, you know, it's going to affect me because, I mean, let's face it. We are all um, emotional people. We are driven by emotions. We are driven by, uh, you know, I mean, there's so many factors, lack of sleep, uh, stress, you know, family issues, business issues, physical issues. There are so many. So, you know, I might take the greatest pre-workout that's going to fucking, you know, light a fire up my ass it's not gonna help i'm still not gonna have a productive workout not a fully productive workout we are driven by circumstances so uh yeah i'm gonna have to disagree on that one and i'm gonna have to agree with aaron because i think that it all depends on how we feel that day i'll give you an example so uh just before the podcast uh we talked a little bit about uh, the fact that I just came from Texas and I trained with Branch Warren, right? So um, I didn't have pre-workout. I didn't have anything on me. And it was at Metroflex, no AC, no nothing. Well, Robert, you know what kind of person I am. On its hot as fucking Texas. This yeah, it, it, it was very hot, but I'm very, very, I love challenge. I love challenge. So we were basically, you know, it was a morning workout too early for me because I, I work out generally, you know, at a certain time, which is like between two to 5 PM. And this was around 11 AM. And uh, we got to Metroflex, not my, 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 my basically type of a gym where I usually train, but I mean, I liked it. I embraced it of course, but branch brought so much energy and the way he trains and the way he is, for me, that will light up a fire up my ass. I was actually barely getting out of the car. I was so tired. I didn't sleep good. It was the first time in a hotel. I was drained. I, I don't even know if I had, I think like a, I had like a shitty little breakfast with absolutely no carbs or anything because I had another video shoot. So everything was pointing out to a shitty uh, workout, everything. And just the fact that I finished the workout with one of the probably most intense guys in the in the industry and i was looking at some of the footage that we shot and stuff like that i didn't need a pre-workout i had a better a better workout than on most pre-workouts i've ever had and then the following day we went on a shooting range and we stayed there under the texas heat for about four or five hours no food no nothing and we went to the gym and i was literally like whining like a little bitch I was like, I can't do this. I can't do this. I mean, I'm tired. I'm exhausted. It was like, it was pathetic, you know, until we got to the gym floor. And again, I was with him and he brought so much motivation and inspiration and the way he trained. I was like, holy shit, we are the same age. You know, there is no way I'm slowing down. So I, 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 I'm almost like saying that pre-workouts don't work, but of course that's not the case. They do. It's just there are so many factors that go into your workout. So many factors. It's a lot more than just a pre-workout. And it doesn't matter how good it is. If you feel like shit that day for whatever reason, or you're lacking motivation, or you don't believe in yourself, I mean, so many aspects, you're going to have a crappy workout. That's the bottom line. Well, it just goes back to what these are, right? These are supplements. They're, the, yeah. they're that last 5% that you need. You know, the other 95% is 
is everything else, you know? So I, I think there's a place for them if that 95% is dialed in. But if that 95% is dialed in, you know, if you're operating, let's say 50%, you're not going to notice the difference between being 50 and 55. You're still going to feel like shit. But if you're operating at 90, 95, you're going to notice the difference between being at 90, 95 and being 100. And I think that's where self-mints can, can really help. And I think that it goes back to the question prior of the guy who really wanted to take a pre-workout, even though it sounds like he doesn't need it, which is like you're not really missing out on anything too special. You know what I mean? Uh, I think pre-workouts are amazing. I think they're a, a great tool, but I think they're just that. I think they're a tool to be used. Uh, I don't think that they need to be like a crutch to be leaned on. Absolutely. And you know what? It, it's funny because I think that the times have evolved and, and changed to such to such degree. Uh, I just did like my own 12-week transformation where I trained and I dieted and I did this and that. And we all know what goes into it, like in terms of discipline and stuff. I mean, I'm 46, I'm not 26. So everything is a little bit harder and more challenging. But the interesting part about it, just like Aaron said about pre-workout, I remember going back 15, 20, 25 years ago, we trained and uh, like you said, 5% and it's absolutely true. When we trained, we would approach the biggest, the most ripped guy in the gym and we would ask, uh, how do you train? What exercises do you do? How do you eat? Those were the typical questions that we would ask. Right now, when people see that, you know, the little transformation that I accomplished, the first question, it's nine out of 10. What drugs are you taking? How much test? <laughs> you know, how much testosterone are you taking? What what's up? What what is nobody gives a shit how I train. Nobody gives a shit about how I diet. What's your cycle? Yeah, and the and and, and you know, definitely pre-workouts have their place, they great tool to help with a, a workout, but it's five percent. Well, you're also Russian, Robbie. You get access to all the really good shit that we can't get anymore. You got all that Soviet secret sauce. <laughs> Well, I, I get the shit from Uzbekistan that Aaron couldn't get. <laughs> Russians always came up with uh, the most fun, fanciest stuff. Yeah, man. Yeah, That's why they always dominate the Olympics. I don't know if I want to actually say this or maybe not, but it's, I almost want to go back to like the 70s and 80s where you knew who... You like you knew who the enemies were. You know, we, we knew about the commies. We knew what Russia was doing. Not that I want the Soviet Union to be back in existence, but it seemed like a simpler time back then compared to these days and all of that other stuff. It's I don't know, or maybe it, that's just it, it, it was more fun because you know Americans yeah. were Americans, Soviets were Soviets, and they hated each other, and right. everybody and everybody loved it. I mean, we, we all loved it. There was there was certain fun in it. Right now in the United States, you have Americans hating Americans. It's kind of sad. It is agreed. Yeah, you need you need like a. <laughs> it's sad, but you need like a common enemy to bring people together. You do. <laughs> I think that I think that's what we're I think that's what we're missing. <laughs> uh, Brooke, five dollar donation. Thank you so much, Brooke. You're awesome. Almost forgot Thank the donation bro. towards fixing the postal service, excluding people from the SEC, gold sinks, and innovation. There we go. Yes. Thank you so much, Brooke. Uh, yeah. Yesterday we were up in we were up in Dallas area. Right. We were actually in Barry, Texas. So it's you're not all the way quite up to Dallas. You're about I guess it's halfway between where Waco is and where Dallas is. So on the south side of Dallas. And there's a bunch of like University of Texas grads there, Texas A&M grads, and Sam and I are the two lone LSU people that roll in there. And one of the, I don't know how many of y'all actually follow college football or not, but there's talk about 10 years ago, there was a major realignment in college football where Missouri and Texas A&M jumped into the SEC. Some other schools joined the Big 12. Some other schools left the Big 12. The Pac-10 became the Pac-12, the Big 10 
added more teams since now there. I think there's 14 teams in the conference that's called the Big Ten. It makes no fucking sense. But now there's talk of UT and Oklahoma wanting to jump into the SEC. And I'm thinking, no, I don't want you guys. You, there's nothing southeast about Texas and Oklahoma. If you look at a map of the United States, like A&M shouldn't be, be in the SEC. Missouri sure as fuck isn't southeast. So it's, it's, it's all a money grab because the SEC has been kind of the dominant conference in college football for you know, 10 or 15 years. And so everybody sees the, the big TV deals that we have with ESPN and all of that stuff. And it's just, that's originally why A&M left the big 12 was because UT had their own special uh, television network through ESPN called the Longhorn network. But now it's funny that UT's kind of trending down, but they want to jump into the SEC where, where the rest of the big boys play football. So some background on that. I don't know if any of y'all actually follow college football or if that's just me, that is a, yeah. And that's what I figured. <laughs> Brooke again, I think brand integrity helps consumers trust when brands delve into some innovations. If something appears out of left field from Apollo, for example, I'm going to trust that it was made intelligently. I would agree with that. What do you think, Aaron? Brand trust, establishing trust with your consumer allows you the ability to be a little bit more flexible, innovative, and uh, kind of going out on a limb. Yeah, yeah. I definitely think that I think that makes sense across any industry. You know, if you can create the uh, a good experience with your consumer and the consumer uh, buys into more than just the product, but they buy into what the brand stands for. I think that obviously allows for a lot of flexibility. And I think that's, you know, what a lot of companies kind of miss is looking at it where they're almost not even a company per se, they're, you know, or a brand, I should say, they're more of people that just push product. And uh, I think it's very, very important to, to create a, a level of, of trust with the consumer to where they're bought into the brand message, what the brand stands for, why the brand does what it does, not just the product itself. And I think if you can do that, then you can then you can kind of be a little, you can kind of open up a little bit more and do a little bit, you know, different things and have that consumer kind of trust that you have their best interests at heart, you know? Yeah. Have any... Uh... I know you keep up to date with all the new ingredients coming out. Have you, any of the newer ones popping up on the scene kind of piqued your interest or anything like that? I mean, we've had a couple of different, I don't want to say novel, but different spins on the same old thing coming out as far as pump supplements, uh, energy boosters, like any of the, the caffeine alternatives, grab your interest, dynamine, tea, green, dynamite. Uh, what's the other one? I always forget an extra or any of those other ones, any things like that. Um, no, not really. I think I think the one that the one that uh, is interesting to me right now, from a use experience, is the three D pump. From a paper experience, I was just like, "What? It doesn't make any sense." But once I got an opportunity to sample and try it, uh, that that Indian gooseberry extract is very clearly the the special sauce. And I feel like they must have, you know, wanted to co-administer it with a few other things in a way to maybe market it better, maybe make it more approachable to the consumer, maybe give it a little bit more, um, I don't know, understanding. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, when, when I looked at it on paper, it, I, I wasn't, you know, impressed by any means, but once I tried it, I was, I was thoroughly impressed. So that's probably the only one that 
right now in terms of these new trademark ingredients that are coming out that really, uh, you know, kind of gets me excited. None of the other ones, I mean, none of them are bad, you know what I mean? But like Dynamine, for example, pretty good stem, but it, it was on the back of DMHA getting banned. Like that's not a one for one, like, comparison you know right so right. Um, i do think that there's there is some exciting stuff coming out but nothing nothing too too exciting for me right now yeah the uh I, i'm very curious because you and i have talked a lot uh offline about just 3d pump in general and just you know going back and forth on what we were thinking is you know is, is there something more to what's going on here than we can actually see on paper like you mentioned so i went on amazon and i bought uh, a bunch of the Indian gooseberry or amla fruit capsules. And I think that should be arriving tomorrow. Um, so I'm going to try that on its own and just see how that try, works. If try Capros. Have you tried Capros? Yeah, it's the same thing. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I'm, I'm assuming they have some sort of specialized extract. And, that, and, that, and I think that's, you know, where the, the special sauce is obviously coming from, you know, because you can get the same, you know, the same sort of mechanism of action of increasing endothelial and nitric oxide synthase through the polyphenols in pine bark extract. But I don't think that it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't make sense to me that in their Indian gooseberry extract, they standardized for general polyphenols. It would only make sense to me that they found one very specific compound that they're standardizing for in a very similar sense to uh, you know, Vaso 6 standard standardizing for that one very specific, you know, uh, epicatechin uh, molecule. So I think that has to be what it is, but I also don't think that they're going to open up about that. So that's what I'm curious. Do you have to publicize what you're standardizing for? Uh, it depends on, on how specific you want to be. Uh, theoretically, not theoretically, from a, from a labeling standpoint, uh, I believe it is required if you're standardizing for certain compounds to list what the standardization is, but we also see that not always happening. For example, basal six is listed as green tea extract, right? So um, I, I believe the FDA does require you to list the standardizations of specific extracts. Is that the first thing they're going to enforce given what's going on? You know, what's on the market? Probably not. Not even close. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I've seen some of the newer ingredients, you know, and I, I, I like to experiment. I like to try them all and I like to do different combinations. I like to try them, on, you know, by themselves and in combination with other things. So, for example, an extra, I tried on its own. Nothing. I mean, was not impressed at all. When I tried it with caffeine, I thought that it did enhance slightly the effects of caffeine so there was definitely there, there was definitely something to it but you know to say that there was a significant change i can't really say that you know same thing as uh with that zoom xr i think the caffeine yeah, yeah. it's just it's a longer yeah. lasting form Long, of caffeine you know so i mean there was a very very slight if any noticeable difference between that and dicaffeine mali very very slight i mean I couldn't say that, but the price, of course, the price or the cost of it is definitely a lot higher. So, you know, you have to justify it. I tried that. Uh, Dynamine and Ticrine, it's, uh, again, like Aaron said, you know, it basically came uh, after DMHA Dynamine. But, I mean, to compare would be a little bit unfa um, unfair, you know, because it's not 
not even close. I think that in a combination with caffeine and certain um, uh, stimulants, that definitely you will feel something. But again, does it justify the cost? Because at the end of it, you know, your consumer, you can give them whatever you want. But at the end, you know, like TJ says of Fitness Deal News, labels are just labels. And at the end, it's how you feel. You know, does a certain, you know, combination of certain ingredients give you, you know, the effect that you desire? And especially if it's uh, something expensive. So you, you see some some products that have like all these trademarks, but when you try them, you go like, eh, okay, like what the fuck? You know, it's a uh, creatine monohydrate and uh, create pure. Is there a difference? Uh, you know, beta alanine and, um, you know, carnosine. There, there are so many, or alpha size and alpha GPC generic. I mean, basically, it's it's the same thing. You know, you have uh, my doctor was prescribing to me Arimidex as part of my TRT. Do you know what the cost of Arimidex is uh, as an anti-estrogen? Anti I mean, I asked Marina because obviously she owns a pharmacy, and I was just curious. The cost of Arimidex of thirty tabs is, if I'm not mistaken, somewhere around six or maybe eight hundred dollars. That's the cost of a remedix. Now you have generic right now that came in a form of an astrazole. Take a guess how much that cost. Eighty bucks. Six bucks. <laughs> you pay and it's exactly the same thing. There is no difference. So uh, you know, I, I was I was also lucky enough to test the three D pump, and I liked it. I really did like it, but I liked it more when I actually uh use double the recommended dosage i liked it more than i would use say even citrulline at six grams you know i mean i just couldn't justify that uh you know yeah it's on paper it's very very simple it's a very very simple you know but you can trademark anything these days um i also use some other combinations like say for nitrosogen and citrulline and i liked it more and when you compare the cost, the cost was more effective. But every time you have a trademark on your label, it does help with sales. You know, not saying that it's not a good product. You know, I do agree. It's a good product. It's a solid product, solid ingredients. It can't be bad. But at the same time, you're still getting, I believe, three grams of citrulline. I still believe that you're getting, what, one or two grams of uh, glycerol? I think one. Yeah, two grams of Hydromax. Two. Uh, two, two grams of Hydromex. So, yeah. you know, I mean, th there is uh, there is nothing innovative in terms of the ingredients themselves. There is, I mean, that's just the way it is. But it's put together and now it's trademarked. And does it justify the cost? Is it the best thing on the market in terms of pump? I mean, I've used the Cardia 6. Uh, Matt sent me some and I was totally impressed. There wasn't much of a difference between that and Vesa 6 in terms of effects because I used them on two different days. But Cardio 6, I felt, you know, especially if you're very lean, will definitely, I felt more vascularity and hardness to the pump than Vaso 6. But there are so many different combinations. I mean, they also trademark ingredients, uh, but there are so many combinations that you can play with. So in terms of anything that came out recently, Zynamite I didn't like at all. I felt absolutely nothing from it. And it's a very expensive trademark ingredient but I didn't feel much in terms of effects. So uh, I, I think that there is a lot of innovation in terms of the names and trademarks and new releases, but how effective they are, are they as 
you know, as game-changing as maybe Ephedrine was or as game-changing as, uh, you know, um, DMAA was, not even close. None of them. I mean, nothing popped out. Yet they come out left and right, probably like on a daily basis, if not on a daily, definitely on a weekly basis. But something that's going to, you know, completely change the game. And, you know, while everybody's screaming game-changer, there is nothing. There is nothing, you know, it's just a combination of different things put together. I've seen trademark where they use 100 milligram or 200 milligram of uh, alpha GPC in a trademark. What is 100 or 200 milligram of alpha GPC going to do? You know, I mean, we know that it's not enough, but it's in a trademark with another two ingredients or something like that. And all of a sudden it looks fancy and it probably will help with sales. So this is the difference between the effectiveness and the business aspect of it. And you have, to, and both of them are right. I mean, both of them are very, very important. Don't get me wrong, because we're releasing products to sell. And if we don't sell, we can make other products. Again, just like Aaron said, I agree with that. But is effectiveness and business, which one do you, do you go to? Because if you go for business, I mean, get two or three trademark ingredients, the cheapest you can get, put them on a fancy label, boom, you're selling them and they cost nothing and they look very, very impressive. And then you have a couple of non-trademark ingredients, you know, just generics that will provide you with just as much, if not more, and you will be able to stack the label a lot more than with trademarks because you're going to be so limited because the cost of an extra, 3D pump, uh, Dynamine, they will all add up. Now imagine how many things between those. Uh, I just looked into combination of three ingredients that are trademarked and the cost of them together came to about 14 or $15, just three ingredients for one product, 14 or $15. Now imagine how many ingredients you can stack into 14 or $15. And what, it was actually a pre-workout. And imagine the level of a pre-workout you're gonna have. Cause caffeine costs nothing. That caffeine mallet doesn't cost much either. You know, I mean, if you wanna get slightly fancier, you can go with citrate too. Add a little bit of alpha yarn, you're fucking flying for like less than five bucks. So it all relative and you have to choose whether you go with business aspect or you go with effective aspect and how to properly balance them without cheating your consumer. Yeah, I think, I don't know, I think there is a place for them. I also just think it depends on the, the brand specifically, you know. So a lot of these trademarked ingredients, the, you're basically paying for the research that they conducted you know, and that they've substantiated and the claims that they've done, which costs money, obviously. So you're going to pay a premium for something like alpha size because they've, you know, they've funded those studies. They did the research and um, you're also essentially paying for all the testing and everything like that. You know that you're getting, you know, a very, very specific compound time and time and time again. Whereas if you buy generic alpha GPC, it could be manufactured 10 different ways depending on who you get it from. And the quality could vary dramatically on, uh, you know, one run to the next run. So essentially, there is, I think there is benefits to trademarked materials, but I don't think, I don't think they're the benefits that the consumer thinks. I think if anything, they're more of a benefit from the, for the brand side of, of some level of transparency and trust in terms of what you're, you're actually paying for. Whereas I think the consumer sees a trademarked ingredient and they go, oh wow, this must be this must be amazing because it's trademarked. It must be something special. 
But a lot of the times you might be paying for a trademark material just because you know you're going to get the same exact uh, material you know, time and time again. And that can help with the consistent consistency of your product, you know? And so I think that, I think there is some value there. I just think that it might not be the value that consumer, you know, thinks. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I agree with that too, because there are so many factors going to play. Yes. Trademark probably protects you to a certain degree with certain ingredients, with certain compounds, definitely. But at the same time, it also depends where you manufacture your products. I know that we've changed manufacturers a couple of times because I caught manufacturers uh, not being very, very honest under dosing products. I've seen those things happen again and again. Um, you know, we had one manufacturer that uh, was doing a certain products with a product with us with 2.5 milligram of alpha yohimbi, right? So it was a good product. It was no problem at all. And then the exactly the same product with another manufacturer, Alpha Yohembi at 2.5 milligram, we ran into it last year. Remember, Robert? It mm. felt like it was 10 milligram. It felt just unbearable. It was so strong that we had to lower it. Um, I, I think also trademark, some, I've seen, uh, I actually caught one because he admitted to me, that's a long story, but anyway, one, one manufacturer actually admitted to me that he was putting paradoxin grains of paradise paradoxin as a trademark ingredient but was using generic it was using generic because it's the same shit but it's going to look more impressive i mean obviously we left that manufacturer but i think he was yeah but he was offering it to me i'm pretty sure he was offering it to others and i'm pretty sure without throwing accusations or 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 anything i'm pretty sure if not nine out of ten seven or eight out of ten will agree to it because they get to save money and you know, and now you have a trademark ingredient. So there are so many things that go into it. It depends where you manufacture, where they're sourcing the material, what kind of ingredients, and it just goes on and on and on. But the question is, is more like, is there anything in terms of trademark that is innovative? There is anything that like really, really groundbreaking or anything like, you know, that changes the face of the industry of a product. There is nothing. At least I haven't seen anything substantial. I've seen a lot of noise. I've seen when Tikrin came out, everybody went crazy. When Dynamine came out, everybody went crazy. You know, everybody's still underdosing those things. I mean, they're using 50 milligram or 100 milligram when it's 40% and there is nothing in it. So they don't even use proper amount. So why are they putting it on a label? Because it looks impressive. It looks impressive that they have that ingredient, even though it doesn't do shit for, uh, for the product. So we've seen like cookie cutters and we've seen those things, shady manufacturing, underdosing products, using trademark just to impress the consumer, but the trademark doesn't do shit. You know, those are the things, but there is nothing that I've seen that I was like, whoa, you know, this is completely changing the face. I, I talked to Ron Kramer recently, and uh, Ron Kramer is definitely very, very defensive when it comes to his brand, when it comes to nitrates and stuff like that. The man is very proud of what he does. But even he said, like, you know, nitrates aside, what is better out there really than citrulline? And, uh, you know, we could argue, you know, that there is Vaso 6 and Vaso Drive and whatnot. But citrulline, like you said, citrulline is a staple pretty much in every pre-workout because it's a proven ingredient. That's an ingredient that definitely works. It's an ingredient that's uh, trusted by the consumer. 
and it still hasn't gone anywhere. Sometimes people are saying like, why, why do you need citrulline? You can just use nitrogen. People believe in the product. It's a, it's, it's the same as Coca-Cola now. You know, they know it's a good brand. It's a good product. It's a, it's, it's something that will give you the much desired pumps. I mean, we could argue on a three to six grams, what's the effect of those. But at the end of the day, the ingredient itself, regardless of being trademarked or not, is a proven ingredient that works. And I haven't seen none of trademarked ingredients in recent years that really made that much of a statement. I see a lot of hype and that that hype goes away. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Uh, for the listeners that are watching, less will be last call for questions. If you guys got anything else for Aaron or any of our panel members, uh, get those in because we'll be hopping off here in a little while. Uh, Aaron, there is one an, another ingredient. Robbie and I were talking about this ingredient uh, yesterday or the day before, um, and I know you use it. It's been in a couple of your products as well. So Conaese, Zembrin, the Scaladium, Tortuosum. So I get what do you, it's it's in. Vasomax and it's in Nootropamax too. Do you, I guess, what, what is your reasoning for putting them in there? Why do you like the ingredient and what do you think it brings to the, those formulas in particular? Because Vasomax is a non-stem formula. So why put the, you know, the, I guess the nootropic benefits are like a, a anti-stress, anti-anxiety ingredient uh, like Scaladium or Conaese in, in a non-stem pump pre-worker when there's no stems in there? Uh, just for that, for that nootropic benefit. And I think, uh, I think a lot of people that are taking, you know, going back to that one question from that guy about, you know, wanting to take a pre-workout that he takes a pump formula. Now, I think, uh, a lot of people want a total experience in that, in that scenario where he's not, you know, he, he's, because he's caffeine sensitive, he can't take a, a normal pre-workout. And so you don't really get that pre-workout experience. From just the pump formula, from just the pump formula alone, you're only really getting the pumps. And so I think the idea behind Vasomax was obviously including some nootropics that would almost give you the feeling as if you are taking a pre-workout without having to, to worry about the, the caffeine. So I've always liked uh, Ease. We were actually one of the first to use that material from Aphogetics uh, from South Africa before Ease was even a thing. So we were sourcing that material um, probably like five years ago, and it was just and it's kind of it's kind of funny because it goes back to what Robic was saying. It didn't have a name; it was just it was just the ingredient. And then the ingredient started to get popular, and I think it was around the time that Olympus Labs released Rain. Then they attached the Conaese name to it. So it literally went from a generic material that we were using to now this magical trademark material, but nothing about it ever changed. Um, so yeah, I've, I've always been a fan of it. I, I like the mood enhancing effects. Uh, I don't get a whole lot of focus, but kind of like what you said, the, um, the anti-stress and, and mood enhancement, uh, from that material, I, I do like a lot. And I think it is pretty noticeable. The one thing that I haven't done and, uh, just cause I just haven't got around to it is just trying it in high dosages. So I've seen some people take it in very, very high. Like I think what Chemex puts like a gram or something. Yeah, and the, the first it, version of the pre-workout yeah, had a gram, and I think they've dialed it back since. But yeah. that initial one, and from from people I've talked to, at a certain dose, it tends to have a stimulatory effect. So um, at the dose that we're using, twenty-five milligrams, uh, great mood enhancement. You know, just great overall general well-being. 
Um, but I would be interested in, in experimenting it at a 500 milligrams a gram and kind of seeing what, what happens when you go to that, that realm, so to speak. Yeah. And that was one of the other things is that, well, the, the thing with the, uh, Gorilla Chemist's pre-workout is that he uses a thousand milligrams, but he doesn't list the standardization. So I mean, you could get a generic. I actually kind of where I yours is did. standardized for the. He did. Yeah, it's not the actual because the one that you Aaron used, and again, not to shit on Chemex, but the one that you used is I think two to one, if I'm not mistaken. That's the one, so, yeah, it's a point yeah, zero two. The, the one that he extra. used. The one that he used, I believe, I, I, you should look it up because I'm afraid I might be wrong. I think it's like 12 or something like that. So it's not what you think. Uh, because I used yours and I used actually 25 and I've used actually as a standalone, I think I used 50 and I felt phenomenal. When I went to 100, I didn't feel that great. I'm not saying I felt nauseous or anything like that or, or adverse reactions or anything. I didn't see significant benefits. But I think that the, the dose that you use, 25, I think that works great. I mean, more is not always better. But I also think that yours, the purity, it was two to one. I think his is not two to one. I'm pretty, I'm almost sure it's not. Well, I'm, I'm talking about the original formula, the original oh, oh, edition okay. of it, not the, the revamped one, because the original one, I don't think it listed a standardization. That's what I was wondering. But I'm trying Possibly, to yeah, because I think the last one is, I think, 750. But I think it's like 12 to 1. I mean, again, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure I saw the standardization, and it's not what Aaron used. When you say last one, you mean the, the newest one, the newest version? That possibly, possibly. Okay. Um, okay, so there is, all right, in his new nootropic, so it's not in his pre-workout anymore. Um, in the Chemix nootropic, it is Kana standardized to not less than 0.5% alkaloids. And he's got a gram, so a thousand milligrams of that in there. That's, that's, that's a big boy dose. So. Yeah, that's what, that's what I'm saying. I'd be interested to see how it feels when you start to get up to those dosages. But I've heard that it starts to have a, a stimulatory effect where you do not get that at all at, at your lower like 25 milligram dose. Yeah. I think yeah. 25 milligram is the actual study dose as well, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the 25 to 50. Is there? I think there's a couple all using 50 milligrams. Maybe not. Aaron, give me some time. I'm going to experiment. <laughs> we'll, we'll check yeah, back check, at the lab right now. Yeah, in a check weeks. back with me and let me know. Yeah. Awesome. All right, man. Well, then, uh, for listeners tuning in at home, thank you very much for, for hanging with us. We appreciate this. Big thank you to Aaron jumping in today to, to fill a slot. We appreciate it, Aaron, for uh, coming in. I hope you enjoyed it, and we didn't uh, waste your entire Sunday with our banter. No, no, I had a lot, had a lot of good, uh, good time. So, yeah, if you guys ever need me back on, just let me know. Awesome. Is there anything uh, you want to touch on or bring up that we didn't address or something you want to get out? No, just uh, keep your eye on Performax. We have something big coming, like I alluded to in the, the beginning of the podcast. So give us a few weeks, and um, hopefully we can make some waves and you know, start rocking and rolling again. We've been pretty quiet. We've, you know, kept our heads down and doing a lot of work behind the scenes and it's finally time to kind of unveil that. So if you're a fan of Performax, I think you'll really like uh, like what we have in store for you guys. Outstanding. Awesome, Thank you very much for uh, hopping on the podcast with us for all the listeners out there. If you like what we're doing here, make sure to like, comment, subscribe, share the video with family, friends, and loved ones. Uh, and we will catch you all next time on the final scoop.
Awesome. Thank, Thank you. you guys. Thank you guys. All right. Take care. Take care.